Running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your hosts, Jerry Napoleonello and Kevin Donlin. Welcome back to another episode of Running Up the Score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. He's Kevin Donlin. Week 5 is here, but we're here to talk about what we saw in Week 4. This season has been going pretty smoothly before this week, where we've had some positive tests of COVID. We'll discuss that and everything we've seen on the gridiron in Week 4. Let's get right into it. What we learned in week four. What we learned. Week four. So as we were saying before, the positive test and how smoothly the season has been going. And now we've had some postponements. We've had some games moved because of some positive tests of COVID. I don't know if it's more of a false security. Like these guys felt like, all right, this thing is over or we can just chill out on protecting ourselves. That's an issue, but I feel like the NFL has stepped up. They've made some changes. They've did what they had to do to get the product on the field. And I'm pretty happy of how our first positive tests have gone, I guess, in the NFL. You know, we saw it in baseball. We saw what they had to do. It's a little different in football, but football... You just had some games moved. You had postponement, a bye week, whatever it is. And it worked out. And I'm happy to to see what the NFL has done. And uh, I'm excited to see how they do it for the rest of the season. You know, hopefully no more changes. Hopefully no more positive tests. And hopefully it keeps going as it was in the first three weeks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no doubt the NFL's handled this miraculously well. Which, like, you know, the way I use that word is because... These times are really, like, confusing. And this virus is a confusing term on the basis that, you know, people don't know if they have it, you know, going around each other. And the NFL has done some very strict uh, regulations in regards to the mask wearing throughout the league, you know, and the coaches and stuff. And, you know, I think it's the right move. You know, you got to stress it out. You know, you want this league to go on. Then people are going to have to be careful. Everybody wants football. You know, everybody wants the Absolutely. NFL. And right now, you know, it's it's unfortunate that there are times where, you know, these games don't even get to have the full capacity of the crowd. We have seen firsthand how it's impacted the game on the field. There's no doubt that this season has been a very high scoring one. And, you know, it has a lot to do with just the whole basis of what's going on with everything with COVID and being able to, you know, whether you're on the, the road team, whether you're the home team, you're able to communicate on offense. And we all know that that is a benefit to the offensive side of the ball. You know, the crowd and the noise, that all helps the defensive side. And unfortunately, that's really non-existent right now for the NFL. But it's beggars can't be choosers in these situations. You know, we, you know, the product on the field is still an amazing product. These guys are still playing very high-level football. Been a lot more injuries. I think that had a lot to do with the lack of preseason. We've talked about this before. But again, overall, I think the NFL has done an amazing job, miraculously, because I know that the odds were not in their favor to get a league where, you know, you're traveling to these teams' home stadiums and what it can do. We saw, like you said, in baseball, like an entire team, their season was affected for a little while on the basis that they got sick. So, Well, I mean, you had Tennessee. You know, the NFL is very minimal right now with it. There's no doubt about it, Jerry. Well, I mean, just, just the fact that you had Tennessee, they're close to what? I think it's 10 players or so. And it was like right after the game against Minnesota. And the fact that they had all these guys test positive, yet Minnesota had nobody. So the fact that it's getting secluded to potentially one team is good. I mean, look at New England Patriots. The New England Patriots were supposed to play Kansas City on Sunday and Cam Newton tested positive, but nobody else. I, I think it was a, a backup quarterback for Kansas City, but that has nothing to do with either the two teams being together because they weren't. That was just a, you know, that's a coincidence. But just the fact that they were able to keep it to one or two players, and that's it, and they were able to play Monday night. I mean, that 
right there shows you how much of a, a step up, you know, just sports has come to with dealing with this deadly virus. I mean, just the fact that we're watching playoff baseball. We we just got finished watching playoff hockey. We're watching the finals in NBA and we're watching a full NFL season. A couple of months ago, we were sitting here thinking there's no sports that are, are going to be coming back within the next couple of months, let alone year. And the fact that we're we're sitting here right now talking football in week 5 and we're sitting here looking at Major League Baseball in the playoffs, just ended the hockey season, the NBA are in the finals. I mean, it's amazing what sports have come to this season, and I'm happy to see what they've done. And going to what you were saying with the high scoring, you know, I'll give you some stats here. Every game this season has featured at least two touchdowns. NFL games through Sunday we're averaging 51.7 points per game. That is insane. I'm telling you, that's the communication on the offensive side. And it's I absolutely mean, you could, allowed. I mean, this is part of the game of football. Absolutely. It's just I mean, the, the no noise from the crowd is a big impact. And it's a big reason as to why you're able to make stops. I yeah. mean, when it's third down and long and you're on the road, the jitters come because that crowd is backing up that defense. They want that defense. It's, it's a whole different animal. I feel like when it came to this season in particular, you were going to see an offensive performance from a lot of teams that might not have technically been this way if we had been playing in front of a full crowd. I think well, one example perfectly, and I don't mean to hate on him. He's been an incredible player for years. But Aaron Rodgers, yeah. this Green Bay offense was sitting there, and I think, who did they play? Was it New Orleans? Right? I think it was New Orleans that they had played. And he was able to sit yeah. there and... It was in New Orleans. That, <laughs> Make adjustments to the, the line of scrimmage in New Orleans. That's not happening. That does not you know? happen. Not in New a, Orleans. It's a big impact. Aaron Rodgers is a great, great player, and I think he's even better at times on the road with the stuff he can do on the road. And it's very impressive with the silent count and everything else. It just shows what kind of how good of a player he is, how much of command of the offense he's got. He's the dream quarterback situation everybody wants. You know, when you have these young quarterbacks and how great you're seeing them play, you know, you want to see a quarterback that will be able to take control. And I think Aaron Rodgers has shown it perfectly. Again, the lack of noise, a big impact as to why the Green Bay Packers are really as successful as they are on offense. I mean, again, this is right now turning into an offensive season overall because, I mean, even in fantasy football purposes, I have never seen so many players relevant in a fantasy football season. I mean, you go top down, the top 30 wide receivers can be an impact for your fantasy football team. 30 second and third wide receivers for teams getting starts because – it's fully confident that they're going to be able to get some sort of production on the basis that offenses are really at free reign this year. Another offense, perfect example, uh, the Falcons. Overall, like what you were saying, like in the previews that we did before the season, we basically said like we have no idea how fantasy football is going to go. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with these guys testing positive, games being postponed. We're starting to see it now. Obviously, you know, people are starting to scramble with games being postponed and stuff like that, but. Just the fact, I mean, a perfect example, like you were saying with Aaron Rodgers. Look at what Green Bay has been putting out there on offense. Devontae Adams, you would think, was your number one wide receiver going into fantasy this year. And the guy's, you know, been injured all season. You're seeing guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantlin or Lazard, you know, before he got hurt. You know, these guys, you were saying, like, wide receiver position is deep in fantasy. And you're seeing these guys put up big points. I mean, look at Monday Night Football. With the tight end for Green Bay, nobody. I think he was he was rostered on like five percent at tight end in rost in the rest of fantasy football. So, just the fact that we're seeing stuff like this happen this year, it's fun. It makes it fun for fantasy. It makes it fun for regular football fans. The other thing that's making it fun for football fans is that no matter how far your team is down in a game, teams are coming back from big deficits. We saw two deficits. Last week, in week four, where the team came back from 14-plus points. We had Tampa Bay come back from 17 down against the Los Angeles Chargers. We had New Orleans Saints come back from a 14-point deficit to beat Detroit. We had the game against with the Cowboys and the Falcons a couple of weeks ago. We had the Falcons blow another lead again to the Chicago Bears last week. You know, you're seeing teams, no matter how far they're down, and this goes right in hand-in-hand with the offenses being the spotlight of this year. You're seeing these teams, doesn't matter how far. I mean, even look at the Cowboy game. 
at one point, I think in the beginning of the fourth quarter, the Cowboys were down 41-14. to And they lost by eight. Or whatever it was, nine. So it's it's not like... Yeah, the comebacks are definitely a possibility. It, and that's the thing. Like, you're seeing more and more scoring. You're seeing more and more teams just coming back. And, you know, it's making football fun. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, you know, that's... You know, it's great to be a fan of football with, you know, just having your team have a chance every week. It's like that on a regular Sunday, but just this year is different because the offense is so potent for every team. Even the crappy quarterbacks are still putting up numbers. I mean, it's crazy. With Tampa Bay, just going into some Tampa Bay things because Tom Brady's still putting up numbers. You know, he's still Tom Brady. Doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing. You're having him notch another win with throwing at least five touchdowns for the eighth time in his career. He's the oldest player ever to finish a game with five touchdowns. He also threw scoring strikes to five different players for the first time in his 21-year career, which is crazy to me. And Brady broke the record held by his 41-year-old self, (laughs) becoming the oldest to throw for at least a trio of touchdowns in consecutive games. It's crazy what he's still able to do at the age that he is. But I mean, even looking at his counterpart in that game, Justin Herbert being his third game in his career, the guy is showing exactly what everybody thought being picked second. And you know, this, this guy is, this guy is the truth to be honest with you. That's always been a known fact. I mean, you know, again, as a Patriot, his whole career, it makes it, you know, not as easy to love him, but now you can fully appreciate him. He is a great player. Obviously, Bill Belichick's the one struggling after seeing what I saw last night on Monday Night Football. And it seems like Tom Brady continues to thrive. So Tom's done a great job in Tampa Bay early on. Again, it's a long season. I think as the season progresses, more and more teams are going to be able to get fans into the stadium. We'll see how that makes an impact as we go along further. But right now, we are where we're at with this virus. I think they've done a great job of continuing to contain in any way, shape, or form. And just hopefully just try to limit it. Like you said, one player on each team getting sick and limiting it to one player. It's just an incredible job right there by the NFL to try to contain this virus that's just really, at this point, very unpredictable. Elisa, I've been talking high on this player, and he's only showing up every week. And it's Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. I think he's showing you because you were a little skeptical on him. I think he's showing you exactly what this guy can do. Overall, I mean... He passed for 288 yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions against Las Vegas with 115.8 QB rating. The other thing that he's doing great is running with the ball. You know, and I said that his strength was his strength, just his body strength, but also the way he runs with the ball. And, you know, just overall, I mean, I think he's broken a record uh, oh, he, he recorded his 20th career rushing touchdown in his 32nd game on Sunday. He's the second fastest quarterback to reach 20 career rushing touchdowns in NFL history, only behind Cam Newton, who did it in 27 games. Overall, just what he's doing, where he has the Bills right now, the Bills defense is playing great. This team is a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. Obviously, you still have the Chiefs in, in the AFC, so it's tough to yep. put them up there, but... They are up there as one of the best in the AFC, and it's it's fun to see what Josh Allen can do with the football because, you know, he wasn't taken first. You know, everybody's looking at the guy that got taken first, and, you know, it's like, uh, but Josh Allen showing his worth. He's showing what he can do with the football, and the Bills are 4-0 for the first time since 2008. Yeah, they're playing incredible football, and I think Josh Allen has completely put me in actually up Utter shock. He has been incredible. His his strides from last year to this year have been incredible. Uh, you know, he's got great weapons over there. There's no doubt about it. You need the weapons to get it done. Diggs is a great player. Cole Beasley's a great player. These guys are going to get open for you and slow the game down for you. I think their running backs have been incredible. You know, they just, they're, they're really thriving. Their defense is one of the best, <laughs> if not the best in football, personnel-wise. And their scheme is incredible and what they're trying to do the team's uh, they basically try to close you in, and they did a great job with the Rams. They they got out of it. That was a game, uh, very close game. Everyone talks about that game being down to a uh, flag, and I'm not a believer in that. I think a lot more than one flag 
wins and loses football games. And I think that the Rams had lost that game in the first half. They got completely outplayed. They did a great job in the second half roaring back, but it just wasn't enough. I'm yeah, not going to go by one flag call. All the credit's going to the Buffalo Bills. They are doing an incredible job over there. I, ca- I can't explain. He was not in my top ten in fantasy, and he is by far a top five quarterback. This and year, he's yeah. got me excited, not for this Thursday, because no one's excited for this Thursday, but for next Thursday uh, with the Bills and the Chiefs taking on each other on Thursday night. It's gonna be, that's going to be a game that you can actually go out to a bar on Thursday and, you know, mask, of course, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. and, you know, go have a good time with the boys and watch the game. And that's going to be a really exciting one. And it's going to be one that it's really going to give Buffalo some sort of confidence or no lack of, thereof. I mean, we know Baltimore uh, had Super Bowl expectations. They took on the Kansas City Chiefs and kind of got put in their place in the situation. New England, I don't really want to base that game on the basis that, you know, obviously missing Cam Newton. But I thought New England did a great job defensively. Defensively, Belichick definitely. found a way to stop uh, Mahomes or contain Mahomes enough. Their offense would have played a lot better, especially at the end of the half where taking sacks and time running out in the half. So, I, I, you know, I don't write off the New England Patriots just yet. I think they're going to definitely be well in there in the AFC. But the Bills are up there as well. Yeah. And the Thursday night game next week will be uh, real proof if this team is for real. And by for real, I mean, can you stay with – there's no doubt about it – the best team in the AFC right now, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. And I I saw it the other night because not only you know, their defense is incredible as well. You know, the Chiefs are no doubt the best team in football right now. The Bills are definitely no doubt in the top five. And I, you know, I would love to see the Bills knock off the Chiefs and show me something. Yeah, it's definitely would... going to be an impactful game because it could be the you know whether or not. The AFC Championship is sitting in Buffalo or it's sitting in Kansas City. It's a big game, huge. A big thing to look at, especially going into Week Five, as as we're there, basically. You know, this this game with Buffalo against Tennessee started out, it opened up probably today or so or yesterday at six and a half, Tennessee favored. And now Buffalo is favored minus one. So that was a that's a big switch. Just shows you exactly what Buffalo has. And, you know, they're a tough team. And especially if they're a favorite on the road. We said that the road is a lot different this year. There's no fans. So it there's a lot that goes into this and the fans are not a they're not a crutch for a team. Absolutely. Basically they're not making an impact at all. When it comes to great quarterback play, we're seeing it in Seattle. Russell Wilson showing himself more and more Every week, every year, the Seahawks' defense is absurdly bad. And that goes hand-in-hand with the Dallas Cowboys as well. But the fact that Russell Wilson has this team in the position that that he has them with the defense being so bad, I mean, right now has 16 touchdowns. He tied Peyton Manning for the most ever after four games. This guy is on a whole nother level right now. He's definitely tops in MVP talk early, obviously, very early. But still, just what he's doing with the Seahawks team is unbelievable because of how bad their defense is. Well, there's no doubt Seattle Seahawks are a defense that you're looking for in fantasy football. Everyone's finding a way to score on them, but unfortunately on the other side of the ball for Seattle, they have Russell Wilson. He is an incredible talent. In my opinion now, it, he's the best player in football on the basis that he just has, again, we've talked about this, more experience. But when it comes to Seattle, there's a lot of holes there. There's no pass rush. The secondary is not doing anything intimidating. I think Jamal Adams was definitely a good addition. They definitely could have used someone like him. But I'm not sure if it was enough to make this defense a really intimidating defense. You you really needed to hold on to, you know, Jadavion Clowney. You yeah. know, that that's the big hitter. You don't have a pass rush. So, you know, for what Russell Wilson's doing is incredible. As a Jet fan, you wish Russell Wilson didn't, you know, exist because, <laughs> you know, they would have two lottery picks with the Seattle Seahawks yeah, and Russell exactly. Wilson because right now this team is not a team that really belongs to be where they're at right now. Yeah. Uh, and Russell Wilson's just an incredible player, and he's going to find ways to win games. We'll see as we get closer to the end of the season how much he can hold us up for. I mean, he's a great talent. I don't see any end in sight. You know, when push comes to shove, there's going to be a lot that has to go into play. Going with other defenses that are bad, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys probably have the worst defense in the league, and I'm saying that as a Dallas Cowboys fan. So maybe I'm I'm more harsh on them, but well, no, what I'm you still got the Jets. Yeah, but the Cowboys are are bad. I mean, they they have surrendered so far 146 points, most in franchise history through four games. 
They let the Browns score 49 points on them. They also ran for 307 yards against the Dallas Cowboys. What Dak Prescott's doing on the offensive side of the ball and what their defense is doing, it's just like... It's unbelievable. I talked to someone about this, and I'll give you my personal expect, you know, perspective on this. And it has a lot to do with what was even spoken to even last night if you guys had tuned into Monday Night Football. Throwing the ball in this league is always something of you know what people want. It's the exciting factor. It leads to a lot of points if you're able to throw the ball at will. But a part of this game that people forget about especially this year with the way there's really no impactful fans in the stadiums. The Dallas Cowboys are getting no help from their fans on defense. So, yeah, they're going to give up a bunch of points no matter where they go. Yeah. You really need to have an amazing ability of clock management. Everybody wants to hit the home run, and it's great when you do get – the home run of a touchdown. But when push comes to shove in winning football games, especially this season, again, with the offense being a considerable, you know, having a considerable advantage is probably the best way to word it. You really need to work on clock management. Now, Dallas could be as great as they can on offense, but if you continue to give these teams another opportunity with the last two minutes of the first half or the last two minutes of a game, getting the ball at half after. You have one of the best running backs in football, and you have no clue that he exists. And everyone's talking Dak's playing amazing. You know, Dak's playing for a contract, but Dak is finding ways to lose games with clock management no matter how. How many points he puts on the board? Now, a lot of people won't agree with me here. They're like, oh, he's incredible. He just does everything. You watch a game with Aaron Rodgers. He puts up a lot of points, does he not? I've never seen two players, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and I saw it with a third in Peyton Manning, and I'm seeing it with Drew Brees. You could not be better throwers, throwing for more yards, having crazy games. All those records belong to those names. They all considerably looked for a running game as their careers extended. Yeah, I watch Aaron Rodgers with a great running game now. I watch Drew Brees with a great running game now. You remember the running games that Drew Brees used to have in New Orleans before Kamara even existed? Do you remember these? It was nothing. Yeah, they won Super Bowls, too, with that nothing. They had Reggie Bush and Mark Ingram, but they weren't... Like, Mark Ingram was not the Mark Ingram that you're seeing now in Baltimore. Oh, of course and not. And Reggie, Reggie Bush, Bush was more was, of you know, a Reggie receiving. Bush was a great player when he could stay on the field. He wasn't a between-the-tackles type of running back. He was oh, no. an outside-the-tackles kind of runner, and he was also a receiving back. He wasn't a guy that you were going to be able to, to you know, hand the ball off every single down and have as a workhorse. And that was the difference, you know, with that. They didn't really have that great of a run game. And then Pete Manning, yeah, you had Edron James, you know, great player. And then, but even uh, then, that was, was someone really else it. After him. That was really it after Edron James, really. I mean, Well, he, they, had, uh, they had, had another guy, too. He was pretty good. Uh, but he was pretty good because of the production of what Peyton Manning was able to do. I mean, he was, because of his threat with his arm, it opened up a lot of running lanes. And we've talked about this numerous times. But they always sought to have a great running game. Yeah. You can't just throw the ball all over your opponent. You've never been able to do it in this game. You know why? Because clock management is everything. And if you continue to throw the ball and you get incomplete passes, the clock stops. It's really hard even for a head coach to manage a game. There's a lot of concepts when it comes to what I'm talking about right now. Did you see what happened last night in New England? Did you see how long they kept Patrick Mahomes off the field in a season where the offense is obviously with the advantage right now. We've I mean, talked about this already. And especially with the offense that New England has. <laughs> I mean, they had, they had Brian Understand- Hoyer yeah, exactly. at the point. Then they bring in Stidham after Hoyer just botched the whole first half. But you don't re- remember the- two of their biggest plays were runs. Oh, no, I know. And that's what I'm saying. I, like, just the fact that they were able to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field with and what they so had. Important. Yeah. It and so listen, important. I'm. I'm 110% with you on that. When it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, you know, just the fact that I just feel like they're a very predictable team. 
you know, I would, you I would the game love the right way. Dak Prescott should never have four hundred. No, yards. not at all. And he shouldn't be throwing fifty times a game. And, not at all. And that's the thing. Like when it comes to it, you have, in my eyes, the best running back in the league, arguably top two, top three running back for anybody else. In Ezekiel Elliott, you have still a very solid front line. I mean, they're not as as great as they were last year or years before. Obviously, you have injuries when when it comes to Lyle Collins. He's out for the season now. Travis Frederick retires. You know, you're having issues. Tyron Smith is not, you know, the as healthy. He's not 100%. They're very predictable when they're going to run the ball. They're always a first down run type of team. Then you started to see they started to change it a little bit, and now all of a sudden, now they're throwing on every down. Like, you still have Ezekiel Elliott. Prescott to show the kind of talent you need. Change it out I the understand. line. So instead of just running it on first down, run it on second down as well. Exactly. I don't care That's if it's what a third I'm and seven. I don't care if it's a third and seven. Because guess what? Dak Prescott's job is to do on that third and seven. We talk about all these passes he's getting for completions. Oh, my God. He's incredible. Look at all these numbers. Okay, well, I need you to get seven yards on a third and seven right now. Can you make a play right now? Just, That's what bases the great quarterbacks. Well, just Not think of it now. Games. When it comes to Dak Prescott and how well he's playing, nobody's scared of them running the ball now. You know, they're just trying to guard him. And the fact that he's still putting up the numbers, just imagine if you were putting up 100 yards rushing. I mean, well, that, is, is that, that only opens up. The Dallas Cowboys thinking, we expect a lot of Ezekiel Elliott. They're going they, into these games preparing for him. You have to. Just like you prepare for Dak, they're preparing for Zeke. And Zeke's had decent runs this season. There's no doubt. I've seen a couple of them, you know, feed me, showing the tattoo, everything. I've seen it already I, in four like, games. I will say. So it, it does exist. I will say the first two games with the Dallas Cowboys, the first two games they were run heavy. It got to a point where they needed to pass it, obviously, because they were down against the, the Rams big. But so just if you can't if, if the Rams are running it right down your throat. And you know this is happening. You have to keep them off the field. Exactly. And you got to be able to run the football and run the clock. Yeah. Listen, when the Cowboys lead on first, you throw an incomplete pass on first or second down. Let's say you run it on first down, right? You get about that 40 seconds taken off that clock. Now you go to throw it on second down. It's incomplete. Now you got, you still got your third and long, just like you would have had if you ran the ball Yeah. again. But now you're not taking any time off the clock. You're giving the other team the ball back with plenty of time. And honestly, well, their rookie like season, said, their rookie this season, is a very offensive friendly year. Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott's. Rookie season, 2016, when they went 13-3, and three, they led the league in time of possession. And I've always said this, when it comes down to it, time of possession, I think, is the most important Consistent statistic. Drive. Let it continue to go. The, when you you're holding the ball for 40 minutes, you're holding the ball for 40 minutes, that means... That the opposing quarterback and the opposing offense are off the field for 40 minutes. And that means that the opposing defense is now playing 40 minutes. That plays a toll on the defense more of than course. it does on an offense. So this Each is play guys are running routes. It's it's guys huge. And and it's just not happening for the Dallas Cowboys. And especially with the Dallas Cowboys having the injuries that they have on defense, the biggest and most important statistic this year is time of possession, and they're not doing that. They're not See, doing I'll it. I'll give Dak to credit. He had one of the best second halves I've ever seen against the Cleveland Browns, or the fourth quarter, I should say. Yeah. But you just you were nowhere to be found for the first they weren't doing anything. minutes of that game. If you're going to sit there and not start up until midway in the third quarter to start revving it up, I mean, you don't deserve to win the game. You played great, but you didn't play great the first first half and a little bit into the third quarter. You played awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. And everyone wants to talk, oh, well, Odell makes that play at the end of the game, and, you know, Dallas could have just gotten one stop from their defense, oh, but they couldn't. Yeah. That's the thing. They couldn't because they it were shouldn't exhausted. Have came, it shouldn't have come down to that. They're exhausted. Yeah. It should have come down to it. plays that Cleveland ran and Dallas ran. Yeah. I guarantee you're going to see something really mind-boggling. There's a lot more that comes to this game than being able to throw it all over the league. Drew Brees learned it. Tom Brady learned it. Peyton Manning learned it. Aaron Rodgers learned it. And Dak Prescott knows this already. But they're in a situation right now. And Mike McCarthy 
should have more experience with this than ever before what? with someone like Aaron Rodgers. But Mike McCarthy's a very pass-heavy coach as well. But that's you know be what? an adjustment that has to be made. That's like one of the misconceptions of the Dallas Cowboys in the fact that Mike McCarthy is calling these plays because he's not. And it's Kellen Moore, a guy that was under Jason Garrett. So he's still running the same offense. Maybe different plays, but you're still getting the same person calling these plays. There's going to be an issue with that, obviously, when you go, when you start 1-3. and three. I understand the yardage and the way that Dak's playing, but you know what? Zeke is very high paid, first of all. He's one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Start mixing it up. Like that's the, that's the problem that I'm seeing with the Dallas Cowboys. They don't know how to mix it up. It's either they run heavy or they pass heavy. There's no balance, and that's what's pissing me off with the Dallas Cowboys because they're so talented when it comes to passing the ball, but also when they're running the ball, and they well, it's can't good to know mesh. That you can pass. No, there's, I, I absolutely there's no doubt in having the knowledge that I. We have this in our back pocket. We can make these plays when we need to. But the point is, this is a great quarterback. You need to be able to execute. And also just changing the plays. Unfortunately for Dak Prescott, he might look great at the end of that game. Yeah, with 400 yards. It's not me. I'm not the problem. But my well, defense can't stop people. That's what every fan will see in that game. But what I see is, hey, bud, you couldn't execute Yeah. in the beginning when of that game. To. And guess yeah. who got the ball because yep. of it? Yeah. And guess who and had no problem scoring? The Cowboys are struggling with turnovers as well, but just the fact like what like yeah, what you're saying. What, what you're saying, he's the first player in league history to surpass 450 passing yards in three consecutive games. His career high of 502 against Cleveland. He's got 1690 yards this season, an NFL record after four games. Yet they're one and the three. Test of whether you Yet they're one and three. Not. I want him to see those three games and see, oh, we lost. Exactly. That's what not, I'm saying. Oh, look what I was able to do, and this is on my defense. That's the kind of personality and the kind of mindset that well, you I mean, want to they dodge don't, when you're signing someone to a lot of money. If they don't come back against Atlanta, this team's 0-4. And it's because, again, Dak couldn't perform and execute when he needed to in the first half. People don't realize how important the first half of a football game is. You have to be able I, it's to execute. Just, it, it's time just like of we possession. talked about with Buffalo it's, earlier. It's time of possession. I said something about Buffalo earlier. Oh, well, they, it's time of possession. That's yeah, time the, of possession. That's a big oh, absolutely. But the, the, what leads to that is executing on your third downs. Yeah. It's an important stat. You want to talk about analytics in the NFL and analytics in just the game of football in general? Third down efficiency is probably one of the most important stats there is. Yeah. I need a team that is going to constantly move the chains and keep that other offense because there are guys that exist like Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. It does not matter. Great defense can be beaten by a perfect throw. I've seen it happen a million, a million times watching yeah. football. I mean, look, a great I throw mean, can beat perfect defense. I've seen it, happened it in, so many times. It happened in that game. Dak Prescott made a fourth down play, fitted in a window that I, watching the game, I thought it was intercepted. You know, on that touchdown to Amari Cooper earlier in the game, but just overall, their their third down efficiency is not good, not as it was last year. And last year is and one that's of the what best. You look at when you sign a quarterback. Yeah, I need a quarterback that's going to do that. I don't need a quarterback that's going to throw for five hundred yards. In the second half, because his team's losing by a lot, because he couldn't execute in the first quarter. You know what? I'm ready to see Mike McCarthy start calling the play, so I'm hoping that happens soon. But, you know, moving on to uh, a rookie quarterback that, as well as Justin Herbert, is also showing that he's the truth. And it's Joe Burrow. He finally gets his first win, racked up 505 yards as a quarterback, as a rookie quarterback. The fact that he's got 116 completions, most ever in a player's first four games, uh, exceeding the previous mark by 10. It's just, it's unbelievable what we're seeing from Joe Burrow. And he definitely deserved to be the number one pick in Cincinnati. As we said last week, even after a loss, I said last week, Cincinnati has a guy that you definitely need to build a team around, and this is this is the first step for Cincinnati getting back to their Carson Palmer, Ocho Cinco, that kind of that kind of age. And when I see Joe Burrow, I heard a story about him, and I think he had won the game ball. I think it was in the second game of the season. I think he wound up winning the game ball, 
And he put it right back in the bag of balls. And so when I questioned him, well, what are you doing? It's your ball. It's a game ball, bro. You earned that. And he said, it's a good ball. I want to be able to use it in practice. <laughs> like when I see that yeah. kind of mindset, I think it's amazing. I think yeah. I'm a big fan of Joe Burrow early on in his career. I really like what he's all about, man. And all the power to you, man. You're in Cincinnati it's right tough. now. You probably are dealing with one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. These guys can't tackle for nothing on the other side of the ball for you. One of the you worst know, even... offensive lines. <laughs> you know? But again, he. But you see the end of these games where he's finding a way yep. to manage the game and get the team in a situation where they can have a possibility chance to score. You can't have your defense on the field for so long. You say the Dallas defense is really bad, but you know what? They were on the field a lot. 49 points or 40 points in the first half. They were on the field a lot. Why are they on the field a lot? Because Dak Prescott couldn't execute. It's the truth. Yeah. No, that's I, exactly what listen, I'm, I'm can, right there that, with that's you. That's the truth of the matter right there. And that's what people don't realize. You you get a misunderstanding of judging a team in their basis of their performance on how bad their defense or offense could be based on how long someone's on the field. It can make a big impact. That's you know, the thing. We all are human. We get tired. Fatigue is a thing. You can't be on the field all game because there's no way you're going to succeed. When your offense can't execute on third downs and you're forcing your defense to play extended minutes. And that's the thing. Statistics are so, they're so overlooked. Like they're, you know, everybody just looks at statistics and you know what? Yeah. You look at the stat line for, for Dak Prescott against the Cleveland Browns. You're like, wow, he had a great game. Yeah. But you still lost and you had 14 points going into the fourth quarter. So that's an issue. Overall, like, yeah, Joe Burrow had 505 yards. But you know what? The fact that he still won and he was able to do that and, you know, his team is bad. Just the fact that he beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, put up 505 yards. You know, we don't even have to look at the 505 yards. You win the game. You win the game. That's the most important thing. And you know what? Winning also is like a full team kind of statistic. But overall, like when you're looking at the quarterback, you're looking at the statistic that matters the most. I feel it's time of possession. And I'm always going to say that that is the biggest stat. If you're going to look at stat, don't come to me with any kind of stat, yardage, this and that. I want to see how much time they have the ball. And then you're going to see the wins. I'm telling you, time of possession adds to wins. You hold the ball for 40 minutes of a game you're most likely going to win the game. And don't turn over the ball. 100%. I can't agree more. I think I think that's why you you know you see people and fans get misguided, but at the same time, this is a different kind of year. The offenses have a clear perspective on the advantage of the game of football right now. Yeah. There's no doubt. The main goal is to make sure that your offense is the last one on the field with either an opportunity to win the game or with the game in hand already. That's the objective of football. And those first three quarters determine the outcome if you're in that situation or not. Unfortunately for Dak Prescott, he was in a crappy situation going into that fourth quarter. He could have the most amazing fourth quarter in the world. It's probably going to be one of the 500-yard games that I don't care about. I've seen plenty of them before where someone threw for 500 yards. Don't care. You lost. I'll tell you right now, if you do not win this division with the Dallas Cowboys, there's no reason they even – I would. if I was a Dallas Cowboys, I wouldn't even sign Dak Prescott – if you're not even going to end up being a great team this year, you're not going to even be in the playoffs this year, you get rid of this guy. You go get a young quarterback that can manage the game. You have a full team around you. Go get another offensive lineman since you lost plenty of them. Go get a new center. Go get yourself a young quarterback. You're not going to have to pay him a lot of money. Go and say goodbye to someone that's going to have to Kirk Cousins this contract. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, I know. That's, it. <laughs> yeah. That's no, it's means. 100%. He's back in a different situation with not a great offensive line, and now he has to escape, try to make throws yep. running out of the pocket. And I've seen him do great things, but I've also seen him do a lot of terrible things. And, again, he's not worth this kind of insane money because you're not going to be able to put a team – around this guy, kind of like the way Russell Wilson in the Seattle Seahawks. Like we said, the NFL just doesn't make sense. Like, things just happen. That it's like, there's always a head-scratcher moment. You know, you have a guy throw for 505 yards, put up 38 points, you expect him to win. He doesn't. Look at the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers lose Christian McCaffrey, arguably the best running back in the league, top five at least, definitely, and they're 2-0. and you know, they're 2-0 and without him. It just, the NFL just doesn't make sense in times, and it's it's crazy. 
But then you have a team. You can have all the talent in the world. You have to be able to manage a game to get a win. And you and have right a... now the main blame I'm going to do for the Dallas Cowboys not the defense, not Dak Prescott. It could be Mike McCarthy, and it could be that Dallas coaching staff that's not executing on third down. That's yeah. literally what it's down to. I'm sorry to go back to them, but it's the dead no, truth. It's an easy horse to beat, basically. You Carolina know, it's just is the... finding a way to win games. Yeah, without and... with McCa- without McCaffrey. You know what? And sometimes. It helps when you're missing your best player because it's like you don't have to feed that. You don't feel like you have to feed that person. You can have a more balanced offense. I don't even feel like the first couple of games for Carolina even force-fed McCaffrey because he really wasn't no, he didn't have as that, crazy yeah. and productive as he was last year. Doesn't have to be. Exactly. We move over <laughs> to a team that you know also is struggling mightily, and you have a guy like Sam Darnold. I feel like he's still has signs of the type of quarterback that the Jets expected. There, there's there been uh, plenty of plays so far this year. As bad as the Jets are, there's been plays that he's made that it's like, wow, you know, you see the potential of this guy. Like, he's had a couple Absolutely. of plays where he's gotten out of the pocket, able to make a great throw, get the touchdown, whatever it is. And it's just, overall, the team is just not good enough. And you understand that, and I, I don't. I don't like that people put this on Sam Darnold. Well, He's made his do. mistakes because I mean, they got a point somewhere. I mean, exactly. It's, everyone's going to make their mistakes, but obviously the play calling has a lot to do with it too. He I also mean, feels know, like got, he has you to got do a tight more. end like Herndon. You're losing all your wide receivers, and then you, you got this guy doing flat routes. I mean, yeah. I don't know what to tell the coaching staff of the New York Jets right now. You're not in the driver's seat anymore. You, you're basically in the passenger seat, praying to God that of a miracle right now because. It really just the ball's out of your court. I mean, the first four games of the season have been abysmal. I can't wait to see the Jets take on the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be so funny to watch Andy Reid completely outcoach Adam Gase. And you got to feel for someone like Sam Darnold, who's just going to try and do whatever he can this season. Just pray to God he stays healthy because (laughs) obviously your game plans are just a disgrace. Yeah, I'm not going to blame uh, Sam Darnold for not being able to execute on third down. I blame the head coach. The lack of help is just incredible. I mean, we don't have a running game. We have no wide receiver help. Our offensive line's probably got two guys on it that are pretty decent. you got to find a way to get this all to mesh together. And you, that's what you had training camp and everything for. And obviously, this team continues to look lost. And and I know Adam Gase admiring chances to win this season. But obviously, that's gone out the window. You just need to find a way to prove that you can hold on to your job. And between you and me, I cannot believe he's still, he's still the head the coach. Head coach. <laughs> It's really incredible. I mean, I well, felt like the short week would help that's, was the reason why. But unfortunately, this is what happens when you have a head coach and then you hire a GM who's friends with the guy. Well, I don't know what to tell people at that point. I'm really at, at just a loss of words. I, it's like me picking my own boss. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand what the Jets have been doing. They really need to put into consideration and find a way, find a way to fix this because right now it is absolutely a uh, abysmal situation the perfect example for that though is you look at what houston did and houston i think was the the last team that i thought would have fired their head coach and they go out and fire bill o'brien who is also their gm the fact that that happens that shows every single team that yes you can still fire your head coach mid-season doesn't matter who he is and to me, you don't want to see the Jets lose out on those top picks of head coaches because Adam Gase isn't it. That's not it. And I think they really have to look into you know, making a move. You're 0-4 now. You're not going to make the playoffs, most likely. Crazier things have happened. This is the NFL. Well, I feel like you but almost still. Need, like this is his sinking ship, and you need to let him sink, you know, let the captain sink with his ship. And I, and I, I understand that's that. That's the approach, but I think as soon as the season ends, there would be absolutely no doubt the case would be out of there. And, you know, at that point, you're looking at a roster that has Sam Darnold on it, pretty good left tackle, a really good defense. Hopefully guys like C.J. Mosley return. And Avery Williamson's played good early on. Quinton Williams has been very, very good stopping the run. He's been a great job. I've noticed him a lot. There's a lot of bright spots with the New York Jets. And not to mention you'll have the number one overall pick in the draft, aside with a late first-round pick as well. Well, that's the other There'll thing. There'll be a lot you're... of reasons. You're hoping to get a lot to be the head coach of the New York Jets. There's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just unfortunately right now this is just an absolute sinking ship. You know you're going to need to use these picks to grab some sort of talent, wide receiver, first round wide receiver talent, or or go out there and find somebody that can take that role. I know there's a lot of guys pending. You know guys like Allen Robinson. You know very talented people that you can get on your roster. 
you know, because the money right there, you know, I don't know who's making the money right now. You got, you didn't pay Jamal Adams. You know, C.J. Mosley has a sizable contract. But a lot of your great players, Leonard Williams never wound up staying here. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, these were all your big name ticket guys. And they're not making a lot of money. The salary will be there for the New York Jets. It's, you know, again, when you have the salary, you have some core pieces, some first round picks. It's really incentive for a head coach to come on down and, uh, you know, it's a good opportunity to succeed in this league. And, well, the you know, biggest you're jump on it whenever you can. When it comes to the, the Jets, their cap space right now is twenty six million dollars. So be more next year, you know, next year they're looking at sixty nine mil and yeah. your dead money is Tremaine Johnson and yep. Quincy Inunua and Tremaine Johnson's 8 mil and Quincy Inunua is 3.6. So overall you have about 11.6 million dollars in dead money. Overall, I think the Jets they have a they have a good I don't want to say structure because there's no structure when it comes to this this organization, but they have a good piece to build around in Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold's going to be good. He just needs to get stuff around him. And the number one pick probably when it comes to coaching is probably going to be Kansas City's offensive coordinator, Biennemi. That's a guy that you hope that he can look at the Jets team and say, all right, like this is a team that I can I can build around. But when you're looking at this year, you're looking at guys that are on the hot seat. You know, you say Houston, Houston, you know, if you feel like you can build around Deshaun Watson, you know, we were talking before the show that we weren't too high on Deshaun Watson because of the team that he's had and just not being able to excel more than he's already had. And, you know, you look at other teams. Atlanta's definitely going to be a team to be looked at when it comes to coaching because I don't think Dan Quinn's going to hold this team, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia is another team to probably be looked at. These teams are better than the Jets with open coaching spots, most likely at least. You're hoping that enemy can look at this team and say, you know what, I can build around Sam Darnold. And when it comes down to it, if they were to get that number one pick, Obviously, you're not going to go after Trevor Lawrence because I, I feel like the Jets are, are set in stone in Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. Well, for plenty of good reason because not only has he not played that well, but that means when contract comes to play, He's not Sam be Darnold that has no business asking for $100 Crazy million. Amount. Yeah, no. That's, that's what true. people aren't understanding. It's like everyone go out there. You know, honestly, Lawrence is a great player, but I'm seeing Lawrence with like the most amazing pockets I've ever seen in my life. Uh, oh, you yeah. want to come to New York Jets and see New York Jet <laughs> pockets to pass out of? It's true. It's, I it's mean, a, it's a different animal. It, it and that's that's what happens when it comes down to, especially getting that first pick. If you're if you're that first pick, sorry. No, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you're the first pick, you're not going to a good team, you know, and that's why these guys struggle. I mean, the fact that Tua hasn't even started yet is crazy to me. I feel like he should be in. I think Fitzpatrick's played okay. Not great, but okay. We've always said that it's better for a quarterback well, they're to not going sit. Out and beating, they're not going out and beating the Chiefs this year, especially no. with the way the, the no. league is. But that's what I'm saying. You know, Why not see him? in front of the fans, too. I mean, it, it's a whole bit. There's a lot of content. I'm not going to judge the head coach of Miami. Actually, I'm a huge, huge fan of him. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. I wish the Jets had him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. Truthfully, from a Jet fan perspective, I wish we had him. Very, very good head coach. Looking at other teams, it's crazy what we're seeing from the Cardinals. I expected more. I think we're starting to really see that Kyler Murray's not playing well. And Kyler Murray is one of the reasons why this team is where they are and how they're playing. Kyler Murray's making a lot of mistakes, which we didn't expect. We thought that another year under his belt, adding guy like DeAndre Hopkins, now you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald as well. The fact that you can't get it together on offense, it's scary. It's kind of scary when you're talking about Kyler Murray and just this team being where they are because I really thought that this team would be you know, fighting for that number one spot. And obviously Seattle's really taking that over big time. But still, no like... Doubt. Cardinals are a very surprising team to me. Very surprising. You want me to talk about the Cardinals? No, I'm just playing. No, <laughs> obviously Kyler Murray, uh, he's been incredible early on. He's so fast. Uh, he's been very dynamic. I know they. you're not going to win every game in this league, and obviously there are games that are going to come at it. You're going to find a way to lose, but obviously uh, it's a long season. You learn from them. 
and he's a young kid. He's definitely going to learn. So uh, it comes to the Cardinals. I'm not really shocked. They're kind of where I expected them to be. I'm not too great. I mean, not too bad, but not too great either. But, you know, hopefully they can find a way. This is going to be a tough division, there's no doubt. Uh, we're having San Fran, Seattle, and the Rams all in your division. It's just, you know, it's just a, a terrible luck. <laughs> you have terrible no, luck. I mean, having a division like that right now, I don't want to have any part of that division. It's true. As a, as a fan of some of a team outside, I don't even want to play that division in the season. That's how dominant they all are. They're, they're all playing really good football. I think the most impressive, no doubt, has got to be San Fran with all the injuries. Finding ways to win, just incredible. It's funny when you look at a team like the Indianapolis Colts, and we've been high on the Indianapolis Colts even before the season started. We had them in our preview. Both of us picked them to be the number one team in this division. Mm-hmm. And I have a crazy stat for us here. The last three times Phillip Rivers helped his team to a 3-0 and start, obviously all in San Diego, the Chargers ultimately missed the playoffs. That's a little scary if you're a Colts fan. What that shows to me is that he can't finish it. He can't finish it off. You know, you still have a tough team in Tennessee in your division. And technically, they're still in first place because they had the bye week due to the whole COVID issue. Yep. Now, when it comes to Tennessee, though, Tennessee now having their bye week in week four could end up being an issue mm-hmm. for them going down the road because now you have to play 13 games in a row now. So that's going to be an issue to to see with the Titans, but when it's the Colts, you know, you're hoping that Philip Rivers can finish it because Philip Rivers had some good teams when he was with the Chargers. And the fact that he couldn't finish it is scary. They're 3 and 1 now. I hope that the Colts fans are are happy because you know, you're you're seeing a team play good without a guy like Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck behind center. Don't get too happy yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. let's wait until later in the season. <laughs> you know, obviously it's a long season and I, I can't explain it. I just it's gonna be a lot different with the offense being on the more of an advantage, you know? And that's I just feel like it's gonna be a lot different than the football we're used to. I mean, I don't think it'll be a lot different, but like, you know, with the product you're gonna see on the field, but I think when it comes to overall just the way the season's gonna go and progress so towards I think it's just gonna lean on the teams with a very heavily good offensive team. We also have to talk about them defensively because in scoring, they're the best team in the league. They have given up fifty six points altogether this season. And that's two points better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the fact that their differential is plus forty seven, it only helps Philip Rivers and that team. You know, Absolutely. so they'll find ways to win the games and I think Rivers even the few struggles he's having yeah, they're still finding ways. So I'm not really worried about the Colts. I think there's no doubt they win the division, especially the way Houston started. But it's a long season, a lot of game left to play. And, you know, hopefully Rivers uh, writes the ship. Yeah, so we had some injuries. You know, obviously it's been a thing a lot this year. Austin Eckler, we lose. O.J. Howard's done for the season. LaShawn McCoy left his game. Nick Chubb is out. Miles Jack got hurt. Cam Robinson got hurt. Eli Apple, Harrison Smith. Ryan Ramchek, Josh Allen left his game for a little bit. Lane Johnson is just up and down this with is his the injury. Year of the injury. That's no it, it, that's the thing, and we're we're seeing that more and more. Obviously, it has a lot to do with training camp being the way it was, no preseason. It's it's what we're going to see a lot, and you just hope that your team can just float above the issues, basically. And Absolutely. it plays hard into fantasy football. That will bring us to our fantasy football advice. Running up the score. Fantasy football advice. We'll start off with the stardom sit of the week. Stardom sit We'll start off with the quarterback. My quarterback to start this week, we were just talking about him for a lot. I'm going to say Dak Prescott. Because of the way that their offense is playing and the way that he's, he's definitely going to put you up points. Doesn't mean that they're going to win. I mean, they should win. They should beat the Giants. But he's going to put up points. And Dak Prescott is your guy. No, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, me, I'm going lo- lower down the uh, totem pole. I mean, if you have Dak Prescott on your team, at this point he's a starter every week. Exactly. I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins. I think it's a great matchup. You know, Kirk's got a lot of weapons over there. You know, Dalvin Cook can catch the ball out of the backfield. So can Madison. Thielen's been nothing short of great. 
And uh, Jefferson's been a bright spot. There's no doubt. I know he didn't play that well last week, but uh, he's got a great matchup this week. Go with Cousins. I'm high on Cousins this week, too, because we were talking about Seattle's defense earlier. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sit quarterback. My sick quarterback is going to be Carson Wentz. He hasn't been playing good at all this year, but he's completing 5.6 fewer passes than he should be. The Steelers have generated a sack on 12.3% of opposing dropbacks, which is almost two percentage points higher than the closest team. Wentz has just 28.0 QB rating under pressure, which is worse than everyone except for Kyler Murray. Your sit of the week is Carson Wentz against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Drew Brees. I'm seeing a different guy. Obviously, you know, it's it's unfortunate to see because he was so great. But you could see that uh, it's getting difficult for him to uh, get this team down the field consistently. It's not a great matchup at all. We're just talking about someone here that, you know, you could have on your team right now that is a capable starter. You know, if you drafted Drew Brees in fantasy football, odds are you're starting him this week. But unfortunately, I just don't think it's going to make sense to do such a thing. I'm pretty sure it makes sense to just go ahead and uh, put him on the bench. It's a tough matchup. Live to see another day. And, yeah, find another option. Maybe a Kirk Cousins. Sometimes you know, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is on a lot of people's waiver right now. We'll go to the running back position. My start running back is going to be Ezekiel Elliott because I like this matchup for the Dallas Cowboys offense against the Giants defense because the Giants really haven't been able to stop anybody. And I think that the Cowboys get the passing game going. I think they rush the ball very well in this one. I think Ezekiel Elliott may even catch one out of the backfield as well. You know, this is a week to look at the Dallas Cowboys offense. I mean, even their wide receivers I would look to start. Ezekiel Elliott definitely uh, start running back. For me, it's going to be Mark Ingram. I think it's a great matchup. I think, again, I'm going to stand by the fact that I think Cincinnati is obviously one of the worst tackling teams in football. I think this is uh, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens coming out party on offense. I think they're going to wind up putting up a show. I think both sides are going to put up a lot of points. It's going to be a really fun one out there. Now, my sit running back, I'm going to do the opposite of what I've done with my starts. I'm sticking with the same game. And with the Dallas Cowboys, I'm starting everybody on offense with the sits I'm sitting everybody on the Eagles Miles Sanders is my sit running back Pittsburgh is averaging 54 yards per game this season against running backs and now especially coming in off of a bye week because of you know the whole COVID thing and the game being postponed Pittsburgh's going to be looking to uh, bottle up Miles Sanders this week, and uh, that's that's what I'm I'm sitting. I'm sitting Miles Sanders. Well, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry, and obviously, people, anyone who owns Derrick Henry, would be like, yeah, I definitely would like to sit him, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. But uh, don't have your hopes up high for this week. I mean, obviously, I have him. I'm putting him in a lineup in a fantasy league, but he's definitely not someone to go with on daily sports. Buffalo is a great matchup. Just feel like the way this game's going to go, Tennessee might need to find themselves throwing the football a lot more than usual. Henry's definitely not been a, an aspect on the passing game. There's no doubt early on from that standpoint. Definitely uh, no doubt in my mind, Henry is definitely someone you can start to consider to sit. Yeah, now we move over to the wide receiver. My start wide receiver is going to be DeAndre Hopkins at the Arizona Cardinals. Finally get it together. They're facing the Jets' defense. I think DeAndre Hopkins will be open all day long. I think Kyler Murray's going to find him. I stuck with Baltimore in my starts and uh, that Cincinnati defense. I'm going to go with Brown. Hollywood. You know, he's been, yeah, Hollywood's no doubt been the uh, number one target for Lamar Jackson. You know, even last week he had a couple of catches there, not too much production. But, again, I think Lamar Jackson, very high on Baltimore and very high on everybody on that team. I think they're all going to do a lot of work. Mark Andrews, obviously Hollywood Brown. And obviously Lamar Jackson, too. If you have him right now and you've been worried about some of the on and off weeks, I don't expect this to be an off week. My sit wide receiver is going to be Corey Davis against the Buffalo Bills. They're getting A.J. Brown back this week. Therefore, his targets are going to go down. Also, being that Buffalo is just not the team to be starting your wide receiver against, Corey Davis hasn't put up more than 10 points and is only one touchdown <laughs> On the year so far, even with A.J. Brown being stricken with injury, A.J. Brown being back this week, as I said, will take away more targets and especially, you know, the tough matchup against Buffalo. I'm going with Corey Davis. Absolutely. I'm going to go with A.J. Brown. You know, he is coming back this week and obviously is someone a lot of people drafted and they couldn't wait for this week to come. But I don't know if this is the week for you to start with him out there. Again, a tough matchup against Buffalo. That defense has been incredible. It's going to be tough to get any space against Tredavious White. So, you know, damn well, he's going to certainly be on him for most of the game. Yeah. So A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, stay away from those Tennessee Titans wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. So now we move over to the tight end. I'm going to start Eric Ebron against the Philadelphia Eagles. Overall, Eric Ebron, I think, is going to have a coming out party when it comes to the Pittsburgh. I think 
against Philadelphia. They've given up the two biggest performances by tight ends with Kittle and Higby. They also moved Jalen Mills back to the cornerback, and that means they're relying on a rookie from last year and also a rookie this year to fill in that safety, and I think Ebron eats up that defense. I'm going to go with George Kittle just simply on the basis that he is George Kittle. (laughs) No, he's an incredible player. It's a good matchup against Miami. He's no doubt slam dunk. Put him in. I'm not even going to go into a lot of details. You should know this already if you're a real fantasy football guy by week four. So no doubt George Kittle, slam dunk him in. Again, bonus little pick right here. Mark Andrews, same reason as before. Cincinnati, Swiss cheese. You know, star both these guys. They're definitely good plays. So now we go over to the sit tight end. As crazy as this might sound, with O.J. Howard tearing his Achilles now and Rob Gronkowski literally taking over the number one spot as tight end in Tampa Bay, I still don't like him in this game against Chicago. I just feel like he hasn't really done much. Uh, He's had one good game out of the four weeks for Tampa Bay as much as I I felt like the Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski connection would just literally move over to Tampa Bay it hasn't flourished yet I think Rob Gronkowski later in the season he's going to have a better season just because now especially with OJ Howard out but I just feel like right now Rob Gronkowski against Chicago it's just it's not a it's not a good matchup I'm going to go with Austin Hooper against we talked about that Colts defense and their linebacking core and they've done a great job of stopping tight ends uh, I think Austin Hooper is the next one on that list Hooper hasn't done much to begin with but I just think against in a tough matchup like this uh, I think he's no doubt uh, you got to put him on your bench My start defense it's going hand in hand with my sits of offense <laughs> And it's yes, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers and against the the Eagles. As I said, Carson Wentz hasn't played well. He's missed a lot of throws this year. He just doesn't look like the Carson Wentz that everybody thought he was going to be or thought he would be. And it's just not flourishing in Philly on offense. And therefore, you're going up against like the second best defense in the league with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, yeah, just and they're coming off a bye, as I said. So that's this is just a recipe for disaster when it comes to the Eagles. Me personally, I'm going the Arizona Cardinals because they are taking on the New York Jets. I think they're in absolute shambles right now. I don't even think Le'Veon Bell can save them right now at this point. You know, no doubt Arizona should get some, find a way to get uh, some turnovers against the New York Jets, who have honestly found a way to almost turn the ball over once every game, it seems like. Yeah. My sit defense is going to be the Bears against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, the Bears are a team that you like when it comes to defense, but just they haven't really stepped up the way that everybody thought they were going to be this year, even though only giving up 11 points last week to the Colts, they didn't play well. And the fact that they're going up against Tom Brady this this week, you know, as I said, they just haven't played up to potential. And I think Tom Brady's going to find a way to beat this Chicago Bears defense. And I, I don't see a good showing from Chicago this week. Yeah, I'm going to. Go with a surprise one here, the Saints. Obviously, I'm not sure what's going on with that secondary. I know they have a lot of banged up injuries over there. Uh, I think it's a, you know, the Chargers seem like a really good matchup for a defense. You know, with Herbert, rookie quarterback, but he's done. You know, he's done remarkably well the last few weeks. I know they're playing in a dome. There's going to be no fans. There's going to be no wind. There's really no reason to want to put a defense like that in this week. That's the issue with New Orleans. New Orleans usually feeds off of that that fan. Of course, I mean, dome. and you don't realize that just the whole idea of not having any weather increments and yeah. being able to communicate on offense it really makes a huge deal. It doesn't matter where you play. So now we move over to the waiver wire pickups. Waiver wire pickups. Now we're getting closer to the middle of the season. You know, waiver wire gets harder and harder. You know, these guys that have big games weekly end up getting picked up. So. It's getting tougher and tougher, and you're going to have to start digging a little bit in that waiver wire, and you don't really have to dig much for my waiver wire pickup, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling, when it comes to Green Bay, you know, with Devontae Adams being hurt and Lazard getting hurt, now Scantling's like the number one, and then you have Tanyan as the tight end if you want to use that as a bonus waiver wire pickup, but he's uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is now rostered on 44% as of right now, look for that. You know, Aaron Rodgers is always going to find his wide receivers. Doesn't matter what their name is, doesn't matter who they are. He's going to find their wide receivers. He's going to put up some points. So Scantling is definitely my waiver wire pickup. For me, it's no doubt definitely the number one streaming one. It's Joshua Kelly, the running back in the Los Angeles Chargers. Obviously, them losing Eckler was a big deal. Eckler's going to be out about four to six weeks. I mean, what you're trying to get out of Joshua Kelly is not your, you know, the production out of your, what you're trying to get out of your, you know, fantasy playoff season. But what you're trying, you got to get there. 
Yeah. And <laughs> half the battle is getting there. So, you know, if you have Just someone like uh, McCaffrey and you, you would, didn't get a chance to get someone like Mike Davis and you held on to that waiver, like right now, Joshua Kelly's the way to go. Get him to, you know, get Joshua Kelly to get you to a point where McCaffrey will get you, you know, the production after the fact. I think right now, Joshua Kelly, no doubt, the streaming option and no doubt the number one waiver pickup for this week. Now let's go over to Sleeper of the Week. Sleeper of the Week. My sleeper is actually your starter. My sleeper is Kirk Cousins this week against that Seattle defense. This is the guy that he's not a a big-name quarterback anymore, basically, because he's a dud. But really, (laughs) I think anybody can put up points against that Seattle defense, just like they can against the Jets or the Dallas Cowboys, whatever. So Kirk Cousins is definitely a good start against that Seattle defense. Me, sleeper is going to be Ingram. I mean, I liked him a lot this week. He was my running back to pick up. I feel like he's not definitely in the top 20 running backs. Uh, maybe this week he might be, but over the first couple of weeks, he's definitely not been a top 20 back at all. Split in time with all those two other guys. Um, but I think this is the game where, you know, Baltimore finds a way to score a lot of points and they could possibly potentially get two or three touchdowns out of him to this week. That will do it for our show this week. Definitely check us out on all our social media at RUTS Sports, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us. You can even go to our website, RUTSSports.com. You can find all of our information. Go to check us out. Follow us. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, Google Play. Wherever you can find a podcast, we are on. Subscribe to us. Download our podcast. We're here every week talking what we saw from the last week. Definitely check us out on TikTok. We're, we're going to be TikTok famous. We're going to be TikTok famous soon. <laughs> but um, I still got to download it. <laughs> <laughs> that will do it for today's show. We'll be back talking week five next week. I'm Jerry. I'm Kevin. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.